This Christmas season, David Jeremiah and Turning Point Productions present Why the Nativity, a docudrama film that will take you on a thought-provoking journey surrounding the most pivotal moment in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. Experience the sights and sounds of that first Christmas as Dr. Jeremiah provides a fascinating presentation of biblical history paired with dramatic reenactments. Watch Why the Nativity completely free and find it everywhere it is available by going to whythenativity.org. That's whythenativity.org. If you've ever seen a child open a Christmas present, you know they often pay more attention to the box than the gift. Are you doing that with God's gift? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up his series, Why the Nativity? with a challenge to do more than enjoy the trappings of Christmas, but fully embrace God's greatest gift. With the conclusion of Why There Must Be Christmas, here's David. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Today we finish up this series that we began uh, at the beginning of the month. And we're talking today about why Christmas is so important. Just a few hours from now, we'll celebrate Christmas together as families, as churches. And uh, maybe something that's said today will help make that more meaningful to us as we have those moments together. There's still time for you to watch the film, Why the Nativity? It doesn't have to end when Christmas is over between now and the end of the year. A good opportunity for you to watch this one hour and 20 minute production, this docudrama about the coming of Jesus. You can go to our particular website, which is whythenativity.org, and get all the information you need about the distribution of the film, all of the ancillary products that are available. And I hope you will do that uh, while you're thinking about it, because it will be a blessing to you as you celebrate the Lord's birthday. Here's part two of Why There Must Be Christmas. It was early July 2020. Mary Daniel had not seen her husband for 114 days due to coronavirus restrictions at the senior care facility where he lives. Her husband, Steve, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven years ago and moved into a care facility in Jacksonville, Florida. She said she had been visiting with her husband every night and would get him ready for bed. But with the coronavirus pandemic hit, health facilities restricted visitors to prevent the spread of COVID-19 to vulnerable patients. And the facility closed to visitors on March 11th, the last time she saw Steve as a visitor. Mary worried about her husband. So much time alone was not good for an Alzheimer's patient. And she was desperate to find some way to stay connected. And then out of the blue, the care facility's corporate office called Mary and said, we've got a part-time job available if you would like to take it. She didn't even ask what it was. She was willing to do any job that they offered for the chance to get inside. And what they ended up giving her was a dishwashing position. She washed dishes. This job is allowing Mary to see her husband regularly, and she's so thankful. It's worth it to be able to visit him, and I can already tell the difference in his demeanor after three visits. I'm so grateful. I just wanted to be with him every day. What Mary Daniel did for her husband because of her love for him in a much more profound way, Jesus Christ has done for you and me. 
He loved us so much, he moved into our sick and dying world. Not just to be close to us, but to rescue us and take us to his home in heaven. Several Thanksgivings ago, I remembered this vividly. One of my favorite presidents, George W. Bush, made a surprise visit to Iraq. While he was there, the president served up turkey dinner to 600 stunned soldiers in a mess hall in Baghdad's airport. Now, you see, the soldiers had gathered for what they thought would be a speech by the chief U.S. administrator, Paul Bremer. Bremer told the troops he would read a Thanksgiving proclamation from the president. And then he paused and noted that it was customary for the most senior official present to read the president's proclamation. And he turned back toward the stage curtain and he said, is there anybody back there who's more senior than I am? And the president himself emerged from behind a curtain as cheering soldiers climbed up on chairs and tables to yell their approval. It's got to be lonely for them, the president said. I thought it was important to send that message that we care for them. The unannounced visit not only brought wild cheers from battle-worn soldiers, but it stunned the nation and even surprised the president's parents who thought he was coming for Thanksgiving dinner in Crawford, Texas, and saw him on TV in Iraq. I love that story, just for the value of the story. But isn't that a wonderful picture of what happened some 2,000 years ago? The Bible says God had formerly delivered his message time and time again in various ways. That's what Hebrews says. In various ways, God tried to deliver the message of his love for us, and we didn't get it. So in due time, God made a surprise visit to the world, and we call that moment Christmas when the word became flesh and lived among us. If you know Jesus, you know God. That's why Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You get to the Father through the Son. One of my favorite stories is about Will Graham, who's preached here in the past. He's Billy Graham's grandson. And one day, I was listening to him preach at a conference where we both were, and he said that whenever he goes any place to preach, when his grandfather was still living, he said a lot of people would come to hear him. But he said, I knew they weren't there to hear me. They were hoping that I could help them meet my grandfather. And he said, one day I found an answer from the Scripture, and here it is. He said, I told them that the way to the Father is not through the grandson, but through the son. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> the way to the Father for all of us is through the Son, through Jesus Christ. If you don't have Christmas, this doesn't mean anything. If you don't have Christmas, you really can't understand God. And if you don't have Christmas, you're still in your sin and you're not forgiven. That's a terrible thought. If Christ had not been born, we couldn't be forgiven of our sin. And the Bible says, she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If Jesus had not come into the world, there would be no such thing as the forgiveness of sins. The law was impossible to forgive sin. 
When the fullness of his time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. One day, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking across the landscape, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to me, men and women. Without Jesus Christ coming to this earth to be one of us, there is no such thing as being forgiven. Do you remember the first time you ever realized that God had fully and completely and totally forgiven you of all your sin? Do you know the joy and blessing of that guilt being lifted from your life? One of the things that people have told me over the years, if I've had the privilege of leading them to Christ, is, you know, Dr. Jeremiah, when I accepted Jesus Christ, it was like somebody lifted a burden off of my shoulders. That's what forgiveness is all about. And if Jesus had not come to this earth and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine, we could not be forgiven. If Christ had not come, the course of humanity would be one long downward trudge toward the eternal night of despair. If Christ had not come, we would still be in our sins. Christmas is so vital because without it, this book is gone. Without it, we don't know who God is. Without it, we can't be forgiven. Here's the fourth thing. If there isn't any Christmas, we can't get any prayers answered. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And therefore, we are told to come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. Because the Lord Jesus came to this earth and walked among us as one of us, when we pray to the Father, whose name do we pray in? In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Why? Because through Jesus, we have one who understands everything about us because he experienced all that we've experienced. And we come and say, Lord Jesus, here I am again. I thought I had this managed, but I don't. Christmas reminds us that Christ chooses to enter into our suffering. Jesus already experienced way beyond anything we could ever imagine. And the Bible teaches us that one of the reasons he came to this earth, one of the reasons for the incarnation God in the flesh was that we might have someone like us who has experienced our experiences and knows how to help us in our time of need. So when I pray to the Lord Jesus, he's not some distant person who's never experienced my experiences. Listen to me. If you've been lonely, the Lord Jesus knew loneliness. If you've lost resources, the Bible said he had no home, no place to sleep. Everything you've ever known in your life, including everything you know right now, whoever you might be, Jesus has been there and done that. So when you talk to him, he knows what you're talking about. Christmas tells us that the primary interest of Jesus is always to help us. He's always about encouragement. He's always about grace. He's always about mercy. He is here to help us. Jesus came into this world knowing what it would cost him, but it was worth it so that he could be our helper. And finally, if there's no Christmas, we have no Bible. If there's no Christmas, we struggle to know God. 
If there's no Christmas, we're still unforgiven. If there's no Christmas, our prayers can't get answered. And if there's no Christmas, there's no hope. If Jesus didn't come to bring us eternal life, what is there to live for? Have you ever noticed the difference between people who know Jesus and people who don't? I mean, I know there's some unbelievers who are just humanly happy all the time. I've met some of them. But I've not very often met people who don't know Jesus, who have that settled joy in their heart that makes it possible for them even to face the loss of a loved one and not be filled with despair. When you know Jesus, you have hope. Listen to what it says in Ephesians. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where we were. But the New Testament teaches us that when Jesus came, he came not only to forgive our sins, but to give us the hope, not the hope-so hope, but the no-so hope, that one day we would spend eternity with him. Colossians 1.27 puts it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> Timothy said, Jesus Christ is our hope. Paul said that to Timothy. And Paul wrote that we who are Christians are looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a section of the scripture in the first book of Corinthians where Paul is writing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he makes some very strong statements concerning its importance. I hesitate ever to change anything in the scripture, but just for this moment, I want you to allow me the privilege of replacing the resurrection of Christ with the birth of Christ in this passage, and I think you will see how important it really is. And if Christ has not come, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that Christ has come when indeed he is not. And if Christ has not come, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That tells us how important Christmas is because Christmas is the celebration of the coming of Christ. It is a celebration of Christ coming to be one of us, to be a part of who we are. The Bible says he tasted flesh that he might be one of us. The obscure birth of this peasant child seemed insignificant when it happened, but it reaches across the years to demand our attention. It suggests the importance not just for those who were involved in the events of that moment, but for all the rest of us, even from a distance of 20 centuries. The story of Jesus is ultimately not a narrative about its own time, it's a narrative about all time. It is not simply about Mary and Joseph and the others, it concerns us just as if we had stood beside those shepherds that night and knelt by the manger and marveled at the newborn. Jesus has come. And he has come to bring us hope. There's a Catholic priest whose writings I like to read. 
His name is Henry Nguyen. Don't know where he got the gift of writing, but he writes wonderfully well. And when it comes to the narratives of the New Testament, he's spot on. He tells the story of one day being in the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, Russia. And when he got there, he came to the painting called The Return of the Prodigal Son. It's an incredible painting that tells the story of the prodigal son. Now, let me define this for just a moment because often when we say prodigal, we think that means bad. Like, for instance, if you have a child in your family and he's going south when you hoped would go north, oh, he's our prodigal. Well, be careful what you say because the prodigal is not a bad term. The word prodigal just means without restraint. Prodigality is borderless. Whatever is being done is being done at full force without any restraint. I remember preaching on the prodigal son and actually telling you that the real story was it wasn't the son who was the prodigal, it was the father. He was the one who unconditionally embraced his son. He was the prodigal father. So prodigality doesn't mean evil, it just means without restraint. When the son went into the far country in the story in Luke 15, he he went and without restraint, he spent all the money that he had. Remember that? And so the word prodigal here does not mean evil. Back to my friend Henry Nowen, who was sitting watching and looking and staring at the portrait. And he said while he was staring at the painting, he gained new insight into the parable. The mystery that Jesus himself became something of a prodigal for our sakes. He left the house of his heavenly father and he came to a foreign country and he gave all that he had and he returned through the cross to his father's home. All of this he did not as a rebellious son but as an obedient son sent out to bring home all the lost children of God. Jesus is the prodigal son of the prodigal father. I never thought of that before. I will never forget it. It brings new meaning to a parable that I have loved. But it brings new meaning to the message we are preaching today. That Jesus came to be one of us so that ultimately he could take us home to be with the Father. And that's what Christmas is all about. And that's the prelude to Christmas that I wanted to share with you today. Before we close our Bibles, one last thought for you and for me. I read about a pastor who said that his son just didn't understand gifts. He said, my wife and I would go out when he was a little guy and buy what we thought was the perfect gift. And the little guy would tear open the gift and end up playing with the box. He said, it drove us crazy. Some of you are smiling because you probably had similar experiences. He said, one day we were talking about this and we decided on the next Christmas we were going to find the gift of gifts that he would not be able to resist. And we shopped and we shopped and we shopped and we found the gift and we were so excited. We were more excited at that moment when the gift came out from under the tree than he was. And he was about to open it. Much more excited than he would ever have been because we knew this was going to be the end and he was going to fall in love with the gift. He ripped open the gift like a little boy would and actually got out the toy and began to play with it. 
I had such a feeling of victory, I went into the kitchen to get something to drink, and it was in there for just a minute. When I came out, he was sitting in the box. I couldn't believe it. If you're one of God's children, you've been given the most awesome gift that could ever be given to anyone. It's the most gorgeous from every perspective. It's a gift of such grandeur that it's hard to wrap human vocabulary around it and explain it. It's beautiful from every vista. It's the gift that every human being needs. It's a gift that in all of your work and all of your effort and all of your achievement you could never have earned, you could never have deserved, you could never have achieved. It is absolutely without question the gift of gifts, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he brings. It's the gift of grace. But I am deeply persuaded, having watched Christmas now over all these years, that there are many Christians who are content to sit in the box and play with the wrappings and the ribbons and the paper and ignore the gift that they were meant to receive. And I just want to encourage you this year, enjoy the gift. Enjoy all of the wonderful things that go with it. But don't get so caught up in the wrapping and in the box that you forget the gift that's inside, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. During the harshest days of the Civil War, the 17-year-old son of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow ran away from home and joined the army. Shortly afterward, Henry received news that his son Charlie had been wounded, shot through the back. Henry went where he was and for weeks sat by his son's bedside, slowly nursing him back to health. It was Christmas Day, 1863. Henry gave vent to his feelings in a plaintive carol that can only be understood against the backdrop of war. The poet said he felt like dropping his head in despair. But then he heard the Christmas bells. Their triumphant pealing reminded him that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Sunday school children in Boston began to sing it. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, that year's Christmas celebration. How wonderful that such a song should emerge from the bloody clouds of war. How wonderful that heaven's Christmas bells, the pealing of love through Jesus Christ, can bring peace to our hearts today. You know the words of the song. You've sung them many times. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. The wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Amen. Well, we are at the end of uh, this week, and um, we're no longer able to say anything more about what's coming because it's here. Christmas is here. In just a few hours, we'll gather with our families to celebrate the birthday of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
like most of you, our Christmas schedule for the weekend services is a little bit different because of the way this is all scheduled out when Christmas is on Sunday. But throughout the weekend, make sure you take the time to worship the Lord and give him gratitude and thanks for his wonderful gift of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And uh, whatever you do, have a Merry Christmas. I know that Don and I and all of us at Turning Point, all of us at Shadow Mountain Church, we all want to say to all of you, have a wonderful Christ-centered Christmas. And because of what we've shared this year, because of the movie, we hope we've upgraded your experience of Christmas to one of great encouragement and knowledge and joy and, and gratitude. That would be our prayer for you this year. If you haven't watched Why the Nativity, you can still get a hold of it. Go to whythenativity.org. You'll find out where it's going to be seen, how you can watch it. And I uh, hope you will do that. And uh, we'll see you on Monday after all the celebration is over. Have a great Christmas, you guys. I love you and thank you for the privilege of being with you every day. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah is senior pastor. How is God blessing you through this ministry? Write and tell us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a great tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin a special series for the new year on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Life is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful, year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. It is often said that we in the West are children of the Enlightenment, the great age of reason that dominated Europe and influenced America in the 17th and 18th centuries. 
Anything that could not be scientifically explained or understood with human reason was looked on with suspicion by Enlightenment thinkers. One thing that cannot be explained by science or reason is what we celebrate at Christmas, how God became man and dwelt among us. Rather than be confused or bewildered by what we can't explain, we have the privilege of embracing it in sheer adoration and wonder. Even at Christmas, we walk by faith. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover why God became man on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.